Today's podcast is on the subject of the Internet of Things and brings you extracts from a recent roundtable event which Baltimore hosted. The Internet of Things, or IoT as it is commonly referred to, is a scenario in which objects have the ability to transfer data over a network without requiring human-to-human or human-to-computer interaction. It can be anything from a household appliance to a heart rate monitor. The Internet of Things has evolved from the convergence of wireless technologies and the Internet, which will have a significant impact on anybody working in the electrical industry. More information on the Internet of Things can be found on our website, www.voltimum.co.uk. The Roundtable event was hosted by Alan Lewis, an IoT consultant and Voltimum contributor. Attendees were Tony Gregg, CEO of Legrand UK, Tunuja Randri, President of Schneider Electric UK and Ireland, Timon Rupp, CEO of InnoVenture and Osram Company, Kai Gerrels, Head of Standardisation and Industry Relations at ABB, Jerry O'Donnell, Head of Strategy and Government Affairs at Philips, and Wolfgang Schickbauer, the CEO of Voltimum. This section of the event starts with a question from Alan. Following on from this theme, sometimes over the years recently it's occurred to me I seem to have ended up as a self-employed digital anthropologist, uh, certainly an amateur one, since I get to talk to all these different tribes out there just within telecoms who worship different technological gods, speak different technological languages and hate one another for threatening their executive car parking spaces. And in terms of this, this, this tribal culture, there's, there's one particular thing which has, has really increasingly struck me over, over the last few months, but partly having been out uh, a few weeks ago to PTC's um, conference on, on IoT in Boston. Cultures, for example, of the electricity industry are very different from that of the internet apps sector. Quote Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook, move fast and break things. Unless you're breaking stuff, you're not moving fast enough. Now, that's not very responsible where high voltage is concerned. And, you know, as a very prescient Frank Zappa once said back in 1967, never trust a hippie. You know, now who's writing? These, well, they're, they're probably not really hippies, they're more breadheads to use the hippie term, but you know, they're certainly Northern Californian disruptive culture. Alongside that, you know, these two cultures, they're moving at very, very different speeds, and again, you know, you've seen this in the telecom sector. Mobile handsets, fashion accessories, they change every year, uh, or at least among teenagers they do. Whereas when you build a network, that's going to last 5, 10, 15, 20 years to get the payback. I just wondered if uh, people had comments on these things. How do we synchronise between these very different cultures, between the edge and the centre, and there are always tensions there? From our point of view, we have to recognise who we are, first of all, as a, it's an internal... <laughs> know thyself as the uh, <laughs> wisdom. So we, we've evolved from mechanical to electrical to electronic hardware now, touching software issues. So it's quite a change from mm. just, uh, the technological change. With it comes a different clock speeds, I have to say, in terms of new product development, the life cycle of our conventional construction products was sort of anywhere from sort of 5 to 15 years, and now we've been forced to go an awful lot faster. And more importantly, um, our, our customer that used to be an electrical contractor is now moving from a B2B environment to a B2C. So we have to start understanding uh, an awful lot of things. So there's from our point of view, an awful lot of change to be assimilated and we have to change ourselves before we can sort of mm. preach to an awful lot of people as to how to, to welcome this change. What we can say is that we are moving forward quite quickly. Um, so I mentioned one of the initiatives uh, we're involved in is power of Ethernet. So what that means is that the power that new LED luminaires now take is so low 
you can actually power them via the Ethernet cable. Now that's going to revolutionise the way that buildings are constructed. Mm -hmm. So in the past, the electrical contractor would go in, do his first fix, and lay all the cables, then put the ceiling, put the carpets in, then the electrical contractor come back a second time, wiring the luminaires, and that was a process the electrical contractor has done uh, for years. With power over Ethernet, it's completely different. You would leave it right at the last minute to drop the uh, LED panels in place and simply wire them in like you'd wire in a telephone mm -hmm. or a computer. So that's a vast mindset change for, for the installation process and it uh, takes um, a big shift away from disciplines. So um, it could be now lighted more supplied by the IT <laughs> element than the facility management. Um, and so the traditional players in that construction process are going to have to rethink their game. They're going to have to um, embrace the, the new changes, recognise that what was in the past is going to change in the future, and learn new skills and certainly learn, learn the new technologies. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two big things. One is, uh, I think, the statement of Mark Zuckerberg to break things. I think it's rather an opportunity, because it's not today, you don't need to wait until something physically breaks down. But breaking means someone adding a better value proposition. Smartphones don't break anymore. Someone offers something better. So we can actively control life cycles and the switch of the life cycles. So it's an opportunity. In the past, I just had to wait until something breaks on an undefined point of time. So we, have, we can manage life cycles. Second thing is, the key for me are interfaces, smart interfaces. Sounds a bit technical, and I, but I will try to make it very easy. And it was, it's an old problem. We have in, in the building, we have the, the brick and stone structures of a house that lasts for hundreds of years. And we have technology inside, like the bulb. What's the smartest interface they could invent? It's the socket. So do I throw the house away because the bulb is broken? No. <laughs> so I can manage life cycles with smart interfaces. And today, the, the smart bulbs, you update firmware. You leave the bulb inside. The next life cycle, next generation, next application is an over-the-air update of firmware. So I think it's getting rather better than Burst. We can even easier manage life cycles than we've ever done. So how many IoT engineers will it take to change a light bulb? Right, right. Wolfgang, I mean, since you're you know, consolidating, you've got you know, an overview on this area. You know, this I started off mentioning that we had uh, recently, this week, we're publishing our, our report on the status of IoT in Europe. And you, know, you see a lot of things happening. Uh, a lot of statements. Uh, this year is going to be uh, the year of the uh, uh, IoT revolution. I think IoT is in the, in, in the minds and in the heads of, of, of many people, mm -hmm. all the players in the industry. Are we already there yet? I, I think uh, not exactly. We are talking about internet-connected products, or we have been talking about smart products for, for many, many, many years. What we feel, what we see now is, for the first time, we see the dynamics are accelerating very, very fast. Ten years ago, when you were talking about mm. a connected home, or people would fall asleep uh, mm. because it was you know, mm. Kinex, Lawn, or whatever. And it was something in the wall, and it's hidden, and you don't see it. And now everybody is, is, is engaged. Everybody has a, sort of a smartphone. Mm. It's, it's cool that you can start uh, playing around with these products. But this is still simple products. Uh, we are not talking about solutions. And I think we are, we are very far away. Uh, we started talking about uh, standards and as a basis. But I think in the end of the day, if, if you really want to make the Internet of Things revolution happen, we have to think about uh, solutions and services provided, not about individual products. Not even if it's a specific category like lighting. Or if it's, it's, if in the end of the day, if you want to change people's life, it's something else than the product uh, that you can play around.
and, and also subversive to the established order. Yeah. I, I, I certainly think we, have, we are reaching a kind of critical mass. Yeah. Uh, I, I often use biological analogies, but my degree in zoology and psychology. The largest living organism on the planet is a fungus in a field in Oregon. It's absolutely huge. And you know, for the last few decades, there's been the equivalent of a fungus covering the planet. And just like there's fungus in the fields we're not aware of below the soil, we're only aware of them when a mushroom suddenly pops up. And discussions, you know, with people down my local village pub, friends, they're only suddenly aware of something when a new app suddenly appears on their phone, or in their car, or their, you know, their phone starts talking to their car. It's like, ow, what's going on? What's going on? You know, you're going to be connected whether you want to or not. So. Synchronising community, the different yeah, tribes. Yeah, I'll take a slightly um, a different view potentially to say that I think we have to go extraordinarily fast. Mm. So, you know, despite the fact that, yes, we are in the power and electrical distribution world, uh, and, you know, just a few facts that are helpful, right? So factories around the world consume 35% of the energy. We here around this table influence that in a lot of ways and can influence mm. that positively. Mm. We know that energy consumption is going to double we know that carbon emissions have to get halved, or less. So that means we're going to be four times more efficient. So the way we think about things, we completely have to change the way we think about things. And we were talking earlier today, we've got to turn these things on our head. We've been investing a lot when we talk about devices and infrastructures and, and how you make things smarter. Um, we've been investing a lot in, call it, service-oriented automation. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, colleagues around the table are doing very similar things. And the reason we're doing that is because I think rather than talking about this thing called Internet of Things, which is just too ambiguous and you can't really answer I, I think it. we're still searching for yeah. like, uh, in, in telecoms, I call it the industry previously known as telecoms. Exactly. I think we've got to talk about it in context of verticals. So, you know, people have mentioned hospitals or data centers or factories or plants or machines or homes, for that matter. And I think in each one of those verticals, the application is different and the privacies are different mm. and the securities are different. So I think tailored, smart objects that are talking to specific connected devices within specific environments, we can absolutely address today. And actually, therefore, the IoT, in my mind, is something that does exist, right? So how do we do things, for example, you know, you have troubleshooting. So if, uh, a device can actually realize that it's out of power or something's happened to it. It then sends a signal that says, ah, I need to refresh. That then starts a, a different process. That then realizes in it being actually self-healing in some form. And we've been doing that in servers and networks for a while. So just to boil it down, I think in the end, we've got to go faster. I think he's right, Mark Zuckerberg. We've got to blow up things and try things differently. <laughs> we've got to do it, though, in a verticalized manner. And I think increasingly we've got to, to Wolfgang's point, talk about service, not product. And I think that combination of stuff, by the way, is not a dream. Today is a reality. We all implement that in our... Uh, servicization. Servicization yeah. or servicization. Yeah, exactly. Servicization. So we have things, we have services, don't forget people. So for me, uh, this, this clash of culture is a, is a people thing. And um, you know, uh, if you bring different cultures together to create something, you should just get started. So if we want to create something together, we would just get going and she would break a couple of things because she thinks that's what needed. As long as she only breaks her things and yeah. not your things. So, so I, I think the key to this is that you, that you do partnering, that, that you bring in other people um, uh, by creating joint ventures like we did with uh, Bosch and Cisco, or that you make acquisitions that bring this different face into your house. 
or you do common projects together like we do with a lot of our customers. And by this you can, I think, cope with the different speeds that you have in the different industries. Okay, can I open the discussion up to any of our journalists, media friends who've got? Uh, uh, you guys mentioned a couple of things that I think would have security professionals pulling their hair out, connecting SCADA systems, uh, IoT standards. I mean, these are areas where people are talking about making a literal boom because basically yeah. sending the first power plant to actually be physically sabotaged will be because the SCADA yeah, system was online. Can you address what you're doing to, these, to you know, deal with these concerns? Maybe you can a bit more detail about how you were addressing mm. these concerns with your power and plans with IoT. Or if you're running a centrifuge in the sort of uh, near east yeah, or something exactly like that. So, uh, a couple of examples, and I'm sure I look around the table to other examples as well. So, I mean, secure power solutions, I just, if I just talk about that in particular. Clearly, we serve a huge number of utilities. We're involved in nuclear plants, etc. So, security is at the heart of all of that at the end of the day. And I think, and, and again, I, I, I don't mean to minimize the impact of what we're doing here, but at the end of the day, everything that we are implementing in a utility or in airports or in railways are things that actually have been tried and tested. So this is not about you know, bringing out a new leading edge product and then introducing it into a utility or a, a rail system or an airport. You can't do it. It just doesn't work. So that's why years and years of innovation, I mean, we spend a billion on R&D every year. And that R&D goes into ensuring that actually our our true and tried and tested systems are being evolved rather than introducing brand new things. And, and the cultures of those day. customers are very conservative. Very with the conservative. See, it's sort of mission critical emergency service comms. You know, police, fire, ambulance, it's not, I don't care if it's 4G, I want it to work. Absolutely. And so, I mean, and you know, we have to get approvals and regulation to sign off on everything that we introduce that impacts things like utilities, for example, right? So, we've just introduced a new device called Premset in the power space. And in the UK, it's not yet approved. So it cannot be used by utilities. So there are checks and balances, I think, in place that would, to me, tamper the effect of a brand new technology uh, in the space. And I think SCADA systems, I mean, these things have been, this is not a new mm. system at all in any, any way. I mean, I think uh, British Industries was a bedrock of industry here. And so, you know, and we, you know, with the investors acquisition, by the way, one of the things we are doing increasingly is ensuring the integration of those various systems to your point. So when you buy something, a partner, you need to make sure you don't end up with 17 different systems, but that you're actually trying to integrate and take the best of all into the new. So Wonderware and Structureware actually are our umbrella systems that allow us to interact with others. I don't know if I answered directly your question about security, but... And maybe if I can make an add-on comment on um, what you just said. I think in the end, um, uh, question, you know, how safe is the internet? I mean, how safe is Facebook? Everybody knows, you know, it's not the safest place to store your data. Still, uh, you have billions of people yeah. going there. Because in the end of the day, you get a service out of it. And with the internet of things, it will be similar. In the end of the day, it's a judgment call. You, if you go mm. in that direction, you will have some advantages. It will be convenient. And um, I think it requires your own judgment. You know, do you want to uh, expose yourself you know, by consuming this convenience? What? If you think, well, it's not for me. Well, then don't go on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Don't go into the Internet of Things to connect the products. Look, there will be other solutions uh, that take the evidence. Mm -hmm. I, I think I said, you know, there was an article I did on security a few months ago, and that's looking at human perceptions of security. And humans are incredibly bad at estimating risk accurately. Oh, yeah, this, this is something about confirmation like bias and yeah, yeah. sorts. So, so for these critical infrastructure projects, uh, it is. Uh, uh, 
common and very old practice to do a risk analysis on, mm. on, on the thing that you are doing. And of course, the, the, these uh, IT security risks are part of these risk assessments. There are other ways to address the topic, like for example, in ABB, every product, be it as small as it can, with an either port is undergoing a, a default security testing. And it's also very important what you mentioned, that, that you have an informed customer who does a, a conscious choice about the advantages that he is going to create and the risks he is incurring with his choice. And I, don't and I think this, this is something that has changed a little bit uh, in the last 12 months or, or 24 months, that the level of consciousness is much higher on the topic. Well, I mean, I think it's sort of summed up as we move into the, the very uncertain liminal areas. And I can never remember if it's Dick Cheney or, or Rumsfeld came out with a great line of, you know, they're the known knowns, they're the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns, it's the unknown <coughs> unknowns are the absolute worst to, to watch out for because they're, they're not on anybody's radar. Yeah. I, mean, I strongly like to underline the opinion of Mr. Schickler's statement that we talk about the internet with things without things, it's mm -hmm. still the internet, it's, it's built on the same principles, the same encryption technologies, same security mechanisms, and I think we as an industry would be wrong to tell the people it's all safe, it's mm -hmm. not. Uh, I think important is to educate what's not safe, how to use, how not to use, where are the risks, and I think this education is part of what the industry should do, we should not leave it up to the people to figure out themselves mm -hmm. when it's too late. Yeah or to schools to teach our kids, we should proactively yeah. communicate that. I think that's how we can create trust in the applications we're offering and then people accept the service. I think, yeah, just another analogy, you know, here we are in a room, there's no natural daylight. What would be the worst thing that could happen? The power would be cut. And we would hope that if the power was cut, the emergency lighting would kick in and we'd all be led to safety. That happens whether it's connected or not. What connected does as a difference is connected would tell you that this is ready for that emergency. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it would tell you the, the battery packs are charged and ready to kick in, mm -hmm. as opposed to that manual process which could be flawed in that these emergency lighting not, might not have been checked for some time and the batteries might be dead. So, you know, uh, lighting, that question, fail safety, it comes on, mm -hmm. it leads you to safety. The Internet of Things ha helps because it can maintain and uh, monitor remotely. Coming from a, a residential uh, Aspect of things. I take an example, which would be door entry systems. When you go to a customer and ask mm. him, uh, "Wouldn't it be nice if someone hit your doorbell?" You'd have, you know, the mm. person at the door seeing who it is and then being able to open the door. And the customer says, "Yes, fantastic. That's a wonderful feature. We should go there." The problem then is, uh, despite all that we do in terms of encryption, what happens when this has now become a key and you lose it? And I think a lot of this is, yes, we have our responsibility not to oversell uh, as manufacturers. We also have to tell people that you know, if, you, if you don't want that option, you have something else that you can, that you can use. But the fact is, uh, going back to this word risk, uh, there is always a mm. risk. And, uh, and the customer has to be able to make the choice uh, based on, yes, that's a nice benefit, but it also comes um, with a uh, slight uh, disadvantage. I know certain pressure groups, police for one, would be concerned about those sorts of things. Mm. Well, no, I think implicit in this is another aspect of the, what you might call West Coast versus East Coast issue, is there is the implicit age thing, in that younger people, looking back, I certainly was, you know, just go ahead, let's do it, <coughs> rush for it. You know, with age, you know, bad things do, will inevitably happen, and you plan your life accordingly to that. It's, you know, on one hand, you've got the ferment of innovation, youth, the application, and stuff like that, but maybe we're all more experienced who know the depth and the, the fractal complexity 
that we're standing on that keeps our civilization ticking over. So, uh, any, any more questions from there? In terms of checks and balances, is there enough regulation in place in Europe, UK, or too much? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I can tell you from my, my experience of the financial technology industry, there was way too much regulation. I think we are not, I wouldn't say we would say in the energy management space yet that we've reached that point, although there may be differing views here. Um, so is there too much regulation? I don't think we feel right now that we are drowning under regulation in our industry, at least at this stage. There are some very specific regulations, to your point, and again, depending on the vertical you are working in, there are specific. Uh, uh, so, if you're in the hospital system, for example, you know, we, if you're doing an operating uh, theater, for example, and connecting that up to your point, Tony, earlier, well, the regulations there are very specific. If you're working with the NHS, it's quite different. If you're working with a defense organization, as you know, number of us do, well, it's incredibly strict. So I, I, don't, I wouldn't say we have too much. I think we have tailored regulation at this point. My concern would be that with the IoT, we sort of blow out of proportion what this might mean. So I think some of you saw, I don't know if it was a week or two weeks ago, you know, an article about, gosh, we're going to run out of bandwidth and we're going to run out of space and power. And, you know, I think this is a bit sensationalist, to be honest, because at the end of the day, we are investing lots of money in finding ways that we don't run out of bandwidth and that we don't actually run out of power, but that we consume more effectively and efficiently. And I think the point about proactive notification and monitoring is huge. Um, that sensing capability gives us a power today that we didn't have without connectivity. And, and that's an implicit part of biological systems. As I say, you know, nature's been doing this sort of complex, self-organizing complexity for three and a half billion years, and it's why we get aches, pains, twitches, fevers, things like that. We know, we know there's something out there going on. If I could maybe add on to what Tanusha said, is there enough regulation? I think um, also here we have to look at it slightly with a different angle. Historically, standards and regulations have been very local by local. Now with the internet-connected products, it's global. So we have to think about you know global regulation because especially when it comes to uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes <laughs> yes yeah, but it's, more. you know um, uh, I think it has, it has a different impact and uh, it's important from my one standard to rule them all and then the yes. light will spy them. Well, the banking system finally introduced the, you know, the single, the safer, uh, yeah. the single European uh, thing. So if they can do it, I can't see why we couldn't possibly do it in our industry. Well, you should make the distinction between the standard and the regulation, which is two different So I think standards are, are very welcome because they usually are agreement between yeah. uh, industry participants. Uh, and regulations is something that's coming from, for us, outside, from the government or, or the, the EU yeah. or something. So that, that's a different... That, 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 there is also a problem, though, that I mean, again, obviously, it seems regularly in telecoms and IT, that industry organisations, maybe to a lesser extent standards bodies, have an actual life, life cycle, and they do end up outliving their usefulness. And sometimes there's often too much power left, left in basically old people's hands or you know establishment hands that doesn't quite understand mm -hmm. or, or people aren't paid enough you know that if you've got somebody very very bright you need to look at security are governments paying those people enough when they can earn maybe twice three times as much actually in the private sector hope you enjoyed this podcast this is the second of five from the event so please check out the others if you have any questions or want more information then please visit our website www 
baltimum.co.uk. Goodbye.